everybody, and welcome to That Wrestling Show, the podcast where all pro wrestling matters. I am your host, Bill Yankovi, and this has been a newsworthy week, to say the least. Going to talk about the big story of the week, plus going to give you an update on the best of the Super Juniors tournament. It did start this past Sunday. Going to give you a first look at the standings at the time of this recording. Plus, going to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling's Capital Collision event that I was at this past Saturday with some very good friends of mine. So, going to give my overall thoughts on that show. But, going to start off with the big news of the day, and this one just kind of came out of left field. Uh, Stephanie McMahon announced on Twitter that she is going to take a leave of absence from duties at the company to spend more time with her family. She wrote in uh, a tweet earlier today, As of tomorrow, I am taking a leave of absence from from the majority of my responsibilities at WWE. WWE is a lifelong legacy for me, and I look forward to returning to the company that I love after taking this time to focus on my family. Honestly, um, this is this is obviously a bit of a surprise, but uh, you know, I've I, I've always been of the mindset and of the thought that family should come first, and I'm glad to. To hear that Stephanie's going to take time away from all of her responsibilities in WWE to spend some time with her family. Uh, obviously, Hunter, with his uh, health-related situations, um, maybe she'll spend some more time with Hunter and then probably with their three daughters. Aurora Rose, the oldest, I think is going to be 16 this year. My God, she's going to be 16 years old, so... Uh, there's a lot going on uh, for Stephanie, and um, just wish her the absolute best. Uh, th- as far as internal reaction goes, uh, according to Mike Johnson from PW Insider, no one but the most inner circle of Stephanie McMahon's, I, I guess, uh, friends and confidants had any idea that this was coming, and everyone to a person were completely shocked and taken aback by the news. Um, like I said, I mean, there are times in our world, you know, all of our worlds, no matter what we're doing, that you do have to take some time to focus on family. And I'm glad that Stephanie has decided to take this time and maybe she'll spend more time with her family and who because she'll be back i mean it's it's obvious she's going to be back to whatever she's doing in wwe it's not that she's leaving forever it she's just taking time away and i think everyone needs to do that at some point in time so good for her good good for her and good on her okay uh, another story I want to talk about, uh, and I got mixed feelings about this. I really do. Because last week on the show, I talked about how StarCast 5 is going to take place the weekend of SummerSlam in Nashville, Tennessee. 
It has been announced that on July 31st, Ric Flair is supposed to have one more match. Now, there have been videos popping up of him in the ring with Jay Lethal, them training. and Because I honestly didn't really take, take it as anything except, oh, maybe Rick's just, you know, moving around, just helping Jay Lethal out because they're friends. But Ric Flair is scheduled to have one more match on July 31st. Don't know who is going to be in the match. There had been reports up until a few days ago that Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was going to be in the match, but Steamboat has declined that he is in the match. And Ricky has always been the stand-up guy. He's been pretty truthful, I'd say 99.99% of the time. So I'm going to take you know Steamboat's word for it. Here's my thing. We've been down this road as far as Ric Flair retirements go. Obviously, WrestleMania 24 was supposed to be it. It was supposed to be the big send-off. He had the greatest ceremony of all time. And then he decides to go to TNA and wrestles there. And to the best of my knowledge, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I am because I've been out in the sun today, folks. He hasn't had a match in a long, long time. But it makes me wonder why Ric Flair, in his early to almost mid-70s, wants to do one more match. That's the thing. That's the thing that gets me. Ric Flair is 73 years old. And, I mean... If if he wants to do it, I I'm I don't have a problem with it. It's just we've been down this road, and I don't know. I I really don't know if I want to see this match. I I really don't know. I'm sure some are going to see this match. It'll probably be on Fight TV. That I would, um, I'd put a lot of money on that. I would imagine that there are going to be people who, when we find out the final details, everything about it, because it's still two months away, they're going to want to know who Flair is wrestling. They're going to want to know who's on the show. They're going to want to know a lot of things. They're going to want to know the price of this pay-per-view. Because I would imagine it's going to be on Fight TV. I can't imagine this show not being on Fight TV. To me, it's just, I don't know if I really want to see him wrestle one more match. I mean, a lot of us who do podcasts today grew up at some point in time on Ric Flair wrestling. Either it be in Crockett, WCW, WWF, um, 
the St. Louis Territory. I always love to use St. Louis because Ric Flair was in the St. Louis Territory. Um, Japan, Florida, Georgia, wherever. We all grew up watching Ric Flair. If this is the final match, if, if Ric Flair says, okay, I've done everything, this is how I'm going to end it, then I'm fine with it. But again, we've been down this road before of, oh, this is Flair's last match, and then it ends up not being. So my feeling is, yeah, he's doing this one last match, but I'm taking it with a very, very big grain of salt. All right. Um, let's talk about the best of the Super Juniors as they are almost done with their first week of tournament competition and take a look at the current standings after the first four shows of the tournament and it's starting to look very interesting on both blocks. Start off with block A, we have a four-way tie for first, Hiromu Takahashi, Taiji Ishimori, Alex Zane, and Ace Austin. Yes, Ace Austin from Impact Wrestling are all tied with four points each. Followed by Yo and Francesco Akira at two points. And then a four-way tie at the bottom to Gucci, Sho, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Clark Connors each at zero points. Meanwhile, in the B block, it is a two-way tie for first. El Desperado and El Fantasmo each have four points. Then TJP, Bushi, Robbie Eagles, Dokai, El Lindeman, and Wheeler Yuta are each at two points. And Master Watto and Teton are at the bottom at zero points. But this is only the first week of the tournament. There's still a lot more to go. It was also revealed today the schedule for the G1 Climax. Now, in 2020, and I want to I wanna explain this. In 2020, the plan before the pandemic ever happened was the G1 was going to be held in September and October of 2020 because of the Summer Olympic Games in Tokyo. Well, those games got pushed back a year. So they did the G1 again in September and October of 2021. This year, we are going back to the summer. It is Back to the summer tradition of the G1 Climax Tournament. The tournament will begin Saturday, July 16th. And the finals of the tournament will take place in Budokan Hall on Thursday, April the 18th. The final three nights of the tournament are going to take place at Budokan Hall. Now, um... Tickets are going to be available for fan club members of New Japan this Friday, with the other remaining tickets uh, being available on May 27th. So just kind of a quick rundown of where they're going with this tournament. The 16th and 17th, they will be in 
Hokkaido at the Prefectural Sports Center. Then July 20th, they're going to be in Sendai at Zebio Arena. July 23rd and 24th, they're going to be at the Oda Ward General Gymnasium. July 26th and 27th, they're going to be at Kirikan Hall. July 30th and 31st, the Aichi Prefectural Gymnasium. August 2nd, Hamamatsu Arena. August 5th, Item Ihime. August 6th and 7th, Edeon Arena in Osaka. August 9th, Hiroshima Sun Plaza Hall. The same with the 10th. The 13th, they're going to be in Tokyo at the Mashida City Gymnasium. The 14th, they're going to be in Nagano City at the Mashima Sports Arena. And then the finale, like I said, the 16th, the 17th, and the 18th will be at Budokan Hall to determine this year's G1 Climax winner. We're going to get information in the very near future, obviously, on who's going to participate in the tournament. We're a long way away from that, but after everything we've been through the last two tournaments, not being able to have foreign talent come to Japan for the tournament, I think they're going to go all in on the tournament. They're going to get some big names for this tournament. I kind of can't wait to hear who the names are going to be in the tournament. Because there are a lot of possibilities that they could go with. So we'll just have to wait and see. Want to stick with New Japan because this past Saturday night, Washington, D.C. held their first ever New Japan Pro Wrestling show at the Entertainment and Sports Arena for Capital Collision. If you did not see this show, folks, you missed quite a show. Over 2,000 people in attendance, no vacancy. This was a fun show to watch from beginning to end. There really wasn't one terrible match on the card. But the two I want to point out, if, you, if you're thinking of watching this show in the future, need to see Tomohiro Ishii and Eddie Kingston. Need to see that match. That was a fun fight. That's what I'm calling it, is a fun fight. And you know what? If Ishii and Kingston face each other again in the near future, which I'm kind of hoping they will, I would love to see the rematch between the two. I'm going to try to not give much away if you haven't seen it, but Ishii did... For this one, I will give give away who won. Ishii did win the match, but it was such a fun match. The crowd was really into it. The crowd, honestly, this DC crowd was into this show all night. I, I'm not sure how it sounds coming, you know, for people who watched it on Fight TV, but it was that crowd was so into this. The whole show. They really were. It was fantastic. And then the main event, the fatal four-way for the IWGP United States title with the, I guess we could call it controversial ending, but we do have a new IWGP United States champion, Juice Robinson, winning the title, 
in his first match as a member of the Bullet Club, pinned Will Ospreay, although, like I said, there was a bit of controversy in the end of the match. Ospreay had his foot under the bottom rope, but the referee did not see the foot under the rope when he made the three count, and Juice Robinson is the new IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion. And I do believe that Juice and Tanahashi were scheduled for a match on June the 12th. Uh, I thought they were, but I guess they're not right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if Juice defends the title against Osprey or if he does face Tanahashi because Tanahashi never was pinned in the match. He he was not in the deciding fall of the match, um, but he did lose the belt. And that's the thing with those four-way matches. You do not have to be involved in the fall to lose the title. Uh, a couple other matches I want to point out that I think you guys should check out. Brody King and Minoru Suzuki was a fun match. We got a murder grandpa chant going. Um, I guess they're referring to Suzuki as murder grandpa. And another fun match, you know, because like I said, there really wasn't a bad match or a terrible match because all the matches were good. Uh, check out the 10-man tag match. Uh, Team Filthy against Fred Rosser, a.k.a. Darren Young, David Finley, Tangaloa, Yuya Yuimura, and the DKC. Fun 10-man tag team match. All in all, like I said, this was just a fun show all the way around. Worth watching. Everyone, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Go check this show out. You're not going to regret it. I want to say it is on Fight TV right now. It probably is going to end up being on New Japan World sometime soon. But we'll I guess we'll just have to wait and see where that goes. Okay. Now to talk about the big story of the week. And boy, is this one of these stories that you just... <laughs> This is one of these stories where I don't know who to believe and I'm not really sure if there is a, a side here. Like, is there, should I be, you know, is this side the right side or is this side the right side? It, it, it's really hard to, to say. So... Let's get into everything, or at least the best of our, or the best of my ability, everything that did happen this past Monday night on Raw. So, on Monday night, the planned, the scheduled main event for that episode of Raw was supposed to be a six-pack challenge where the winner of the match would be the number one contender to the Raw Women's title, currently held by Bianca Belair. So the participants in the match were going to be Asuka, be 
Becky Lynch, Dewdrop, Nikki A.S.H., Sasha Banks, and Naomi. Those were the six that were originally going to be in the match. And according to rumors, because again, this is one of these where it's like, do you, you know, where do you really want to go with this? The rumor going around was Naomi was going to win the match. Naomi was going to win the match. And she would have fought Bianca Belair at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Well, somewhere in between from before the show and the beginning of the show is where all of the chaos goes into play. So, Sasha and Naomi had a meeting with Vince. And they, again, this is, I'm going to do this the best that I can. They talked to Vince, and Vince was like, okay, everything's going to be okay. Because apparently, Sasha and Naomi did not feel comfortable with working with two of the women in that match. Which two? No idea. Never was said. So, later in the day, it's going. And they talk to Vince again. And Vince this time is kind of like putting his foot down of like, you're going to do this. This is going to happen. This is where it just gets confusing. Because at one point, there was a reported rumor that Molly Holly was the quote-unquote producer of the match, which has come to be not true. The story going further along is that Naomi wins the match. She's going to face Bianca at Hell in a Cell, and Sasha would challenge Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's title. And both Naomi and Sasha would lose. That's the, alleged, that's the alleged story. So, Sasha and Naomi go to John Laurinaitis with people power. Sorry, I haven't done my John Laurinaitis voice in a long time. I had to do that one. And they basically give the women's tag team titles to Laurinaitis, say stuff about how the, the tag team women's division is not being used properly, it's not being used correctly, and Sasha and Naomi leave the building. They leave the arena. And then... During and that is allegedly happened right as the show begins. Because again, that six pack challenge was to be the main event of Raw. 
So, they have to scramble around, and they now make a new main event. Becky Lynch versus Asuka. So really, in this situation, Dewdrop and Nikki kind of get the shaft on this for not being in the match. And then, during Raw, now this is the part where, and this is where I'm actually going to defend Corey Graves on this, believe it or not, because, yeah, Corey Graves can be kind of a prick. Not kind of. He can be a prick. He says on Raw that Sasha Banks and Naomi left the arena, were unprofessional, and we have changed the main event from the six-pack challenge to Becky and Asuka. I'm going to say this. Believe it or not, Corey gets a pass from me because... He more than likely was told to say those words. And Corey, being that company yes man that he is, is like, eh, I'm, you know, I gotta say it. So, Sasha and Naomi leave the arena, don't come back. WWE releases an official statement on this situation. And I will read it to you. When Sasha Banks and Naomi arrived at the arena this afternoon, they were informed of their participation in the main event of tonight's Monday Night Raw. During the broadcast, they walked into WWE Head of Talent Relations John Laurinaitis's office with their suitcases in hand, placed their tag team championship belts on his desk, and walked out. They claimed they weren't respected enough as tag team champions. And even though they had eight hours to rehearse and construct their match, they claimed they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents, even though they'd had matches with those individuals in the past with no consequence. Monday Night Raw is a scripted live TV show whose characters are expected to perform the requirements of their contract. We regret we were unable to deliver, as advertised, tonight's main event. And then you get these stories after what happened Monday night of, oh, you know, people were surprised that Naomi left the arena and Sasha's got nuclear heat and how, you know, they could do this. They could do that. Let's, okay, let's just talk this over. Let's, let's just talk this out from, right from the beginning. Yes, Sasha Banks has in the past made some decisions that really haven't been the best decisions that she's made professionally but I can understand in this case where Naomi and Sasha are coming from in the sense that hey we're the women's tag team champions we don't feel like we're being used basically 
basically what what I'm getting at is that they feel the women's tag team division is nothing more than a joke, which I get. Using them in a six-pack challenge to determine a number one contender, and again, the rumor was Naomi was going to win the match. What does that do for the women's tag team division? All it does, in reality, is it gives one half of the tag team champions a championship match. And there probably would have been a really good chance she would have lost that match. Like, very good chance she would have lost that match. So let's say then that, you know, they had gone with the plan of Sasha challenges Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's title. Sasha probably would have lost that match, more than likely. Then what do you do with your tag team champions? Well, the last I checked... Bianca Belair and Ronda Rousey are not a tag team. In fact, can anyone name a a full-time women's tag team right now in the women's division of WWE? The answer is no. You can't. You absolutely can't. Now, when this division was first created a few years ago and the titles were first created... The answer would have been yes. You have Sasha and Bailey. You have the Iconics. You've got the Riot Squad. You've got Tamina and Natalia. You've got Tamina and Nia Jax. You know, you you had you had women that could be tag teams and could be tag teams for a good length of time. But after three years, and that's how long these titles have been around, the value of those titles have diminished greatly. And it's not any of the women's fault. Absolutely not. It is basically the people who are booking the champs. Do I think what Naomi and Sasha did was right by leaving the arena. No, I don't. Because this is very similar. Not very similar, but it's similar to what Stone Cold Steve Austin did almost 20 years ago when he didn't want a job to Brock Lesnar on Raw. Which, there, he's got a point. Why should I lose to Brock on free TV when that could have been a pay-per-view match. There, I get the point. Did Steve do the professional thing? No, he didn't. So, do I understand what Sasha and Naomi did? Yes. Do I think that they are in the right? Yeah, I do. I think they, as employees, have every right to be frustrated about how they are being used and the direction that the tag team division is going. 
did, did they do the professional thing by leaving the arena on Raw right at the beginning of the show? No, I don't think they did. What I think will happen is this. This is... And, and one more thing. Actually, you know what? One more thing. Then I'm going to say what I think will happen. People talking about, Oh, this is kayfabe. This is a storyline. Do we really need that? Do we really need that kind of a questioning? It's 2022. Can we, can we just break away fiction and reality? I mean, like, let's... Okay. Let's say you are at your job and you are just having a piss poor day and maybe it's been building up for a while and something happens at work you go to your boss you the boss says something that you don't agree with you don't just say i'm leaving you just don't do that nine times out of ten most people would just just deal with it for the rest of the day. Just get it over with. If this had been building up, I side with Naomi and Sasha on this one. I actually do. Because I think how WWE handled this was absolutely wrong. Now, what do I see happening to both women? Let's look at Naomi first. Naomi well-liked. Everybody likes her. Popular with the wrestlers, popular with the fans, popular with people and management. Plus, she's married to one of the Usos. And right now, her husband is in the biggest run of his entire career. And do you really think, do you really think that they're going to let Jimmy Uso's wife go? They're going to release her from her contract because she walked out. No, they're not. Because Jimmy, right now, let, let's be real. Jimmy right now is in a position. He, Jay, and Roman Reigns at the top of the card. They are the main attraction for WWE right now. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The bloodline is the main attraction in WWE. If WWE decided tomorrow, we're going to let your wife go. Do you think Jimmy's going to be okay with that? I don't think so. I really don't. Naomi is someone that has a very positive influence on a lot of the young fans and is well-liked. I've said that before, but it's true. She is well-liked. Yeah, she... I, I want to say she had that one time um, when she got arrested, you know, for intoxication. I think that was the one time. But 
But other than that, you know, she's been really good. Everybody, like, you know, I know I'm beating a dead horse, but I'm going to say it anyway. Everybody likes her. Everybody likes Naomi. So I don't see them getting rid of her. Now, there have been reports that she's been in talks for a new contract. Could this stall? It very well might. Remains to be seen. Now, Sasha is a completely different story. Because we have heard reports in the past of issues that she's had. Like WrestleMania 35, the infamous sitting on the floor after WrestleMania, losing the title, saying, I'm done. Sasha is someone who, while she is a good wrestler, do not get me wrong, she is a damn good wrestler. Her biggest enemy, I think, at times, is Sasha Banks. I really believe that Sasha Banks lives the character of Sasha Banks 24-7. And she kind of has this attitude, this I'm better than you, I don't do autographs, I don't do this, I don't do that. And then she probably rubs people the wrong way in the back. She's been in trouble before for basically stating her opinion while some of it is in while some of it may be right some of it is kind of wrong and her actions are kind of what get her in trouble this time this one could cost her this one could cost her i don't know if this is going to end up having her gone from wwe i don't think it will because Sasha Banks was on The Mandalorian. I think she's going to be back on when they do their next season uh, coming up soon. And they know the value of Sasha Banks. They know the value of Sasha Banks. They don't want to let her go, WWE, because if they do let her go, in the snap of a finger, if she decides I'm going to stay in wrestling... AEW, Impact, MLW could pick her up. WOW, Women of Wrestling, they're going to have shows starting up in the fall. They could pick her up. What a big name that would be to have. Sasha Banks. So what I think could happen is that they will keep both women... They will not release either one of them. I don't think. And they will find a way, I think, to do some kind of, like, this is your punishment. Because WWE would be foolish to let either one or both go. They really would be foolish. And if Sasha is released... I don't know if she'll ever come back. Maybe she will, maybe she won't. We, we live in an era now where it's really never say never. If Naomi gets released, yeah, I could see her coming back. But 
who knows when. As far as the women's tag team division as a whole goes, after this past Monday night, I think it's dead. It's it's dead. Unless they can get Toxic Attraction to come up right now from NXT to the main roster and on their first night put the belts on them, that division is dead. You may as well bury it and say, we tried, it didn't work, we'll go to something else. And it's a shame because the women's tag team division is a good idea. Look at what's happening with Impact. They have the knockouts tag team division. You look at Shimmer. You look at Shine. You know, two of the premier female wrestling organizations in the United States both have tag team titles. You go to Japan for, you know, with Joshi Wrestling, Stardom. Tokyo Princess, Sendai, to name a few, they have tag team titles. It just, for some reason, does not work in the WWE. It never has, and I don't think it ever will. And this past Monday night might have proven once and for all that the tag team division for women in the WWE might not hang on well on that note that's going to do it for the show this week um so do the quick plugs here you guys can email me if you have any questions or comments wrestling man at that wrestling show.com don't forget to follow the show on twitter at wrestling show 11 follow the show on Instagram at that wrestling show and join our Facebook group that wrestling show fan club where you can join over 500 members that's right over 500 members of our Facebook group are all there a couple of quick plugs of other podcasts that I do uh, check out Sharks Pond, a South Park podcast where I watch and discuss each and every South Park episode. This week I am reviewing the season 15 episode Broadway Brodown. That is the episode this week on Sharks Pond, a South Park podcast. And check out Bill Learns Kingdom Hearts, the podcast with myself and Jim Boy Star, where this season. We are discussing Kingdom Hearts 2. And we're almost at the halfway point, actually, of Season 3 of Bill Learns Kingdom Hearts. I think, I want to say we're like four or five weeks away from the mid-season finale. So, if you're really into the show, you're going to really want to tune in to, to hear what I think of Kingdom Hearts 2. Next week on this podcast, going to preview AEW's Double or Nothing. Pretty big show they got coming up next Sunday night. Going to preview that, plus more coverage of the best of the Super Juniors tournament. And whatever wrestling news pops up, maybe we get more news on the Sasha Banks-Naomi situation. Maybe we don't. Who knows? But whatever it is, we'll all be here 
ready to go. So on that note, everybody have a good, safe weekend. Have fun doing whatever it is you do. And when you're done, come back next week for another episode of That Wrestling Show, the podcast where all pro wrestling matters. And as always, wrestle on.